the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Are you headed to the voting booth? You must first take the Hippocratic Oath. That's today's topic on The Grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. Phenomenal Christianity is a book, a belief, and an experience written by Sean Griffin. It chronicles a lifestyle of power that transforms lives by revealing the love of God and the ways of His kingdom. Jesus promised us just that in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. As a Christian, can you imagine living every day with that kind of supernatural power? Phenomenal Christianity is a book of stories. Stories where through prayer, Sean was able to see God move in tangible ways so that others might experience healing and the love of Christ. Sean has an evangelist heart as he desires to see the church move in the supernatural. Sean is also a patriot whose love for country is only exceeded by his love for Christ. I've known Sean for years, and I can assure you, you are in good company. Check out his book, Phenomenal Christianity, on Amazon, or visit his YouTube channel, Phenomenal Christianity. That's Phenomenal Christianity, the book, or the YouTube channel. Be sure to drop Sean a note and let him know you are a Kingdom Patriot. Okay, what in the world does the Hippocratic Oath have to do with voting? Well, first, let's define Hippocratic Oath. Very common medical term used with physicians. It's associated with this. First, do no harm. However, it's not really a big grammar leap to say that the Hippocrite Oath is very similar to the Hippocratic Oath. I'll explain more as we dive into this subject, but let's just start by saying this. Your vote matters. The process matters, the impact matters, the outcome matters. There are a few things in our country that are more fundamental to our democracy or the fabric of our country. So how does the Hippocratic Oath apply? Well, just like in healthcare, the first most important thing to do first is to do no harm. Let's not do harm at the voting booth. And and how would you you do harm at the voting booth? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The candidates you support, the choices you make, those who we elect— to represent our cause of faith and freedom can do much, much harm. So I'm going to digress a moment as we talk about this. And I want, to, I want to just backtrack into a little bit of history of our country. Like it or not, our country is a system of two parties, Republicans and Democrats. In the last several decades, the Tea Party made a very strong push. The Green Party, the Libertarian Party, there's a whole host of additional different, I would say, fringe groups. But at the end of the day, our system is a two-party system, like it or not. So I want to take the major issues and approach it from a biblical point of view. And that's how we're going to tie this into voting today. It's let's not talk about which candidate is better than another candidate, or I like the way this one looks, or I like how they talk or what they say they're going to support. We're going to take a step-by-step methodical approach and say, how do we approach this from a biblical point of view? Keep in mind, I'm not talking about any particular candidate, but I'm talking about the overall platform. So this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to take a couple of policies, or I shouldn't say a couple of policies, maybe a couple of subjects, and I would like to look at the perspectives of these depending on the various platforms. So let's just start with a very common one. Let's talk about tax policy. If you're, if you're a Democrat or a Democratic candidate, you are going to talk about how the rich don't pay their fair share, that they need to be taxed more, and they u- need to use those tax dollars to support the less fortunate. And in fact, in some ways, it's called income redistribution. If you're a Republican candidate, 
your platform is going to be that the rich already pay way more than their fair share. In fact, the data does support that the rich pay way more than their proportion of income in this country. And then the fact that the government should not increase taxes, but rather should reduce spending, that the government is already too powerful. But what is the biblical perspective? Well, I think largely the Bible is silent to this, except for in one phrase in the New Testament where Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, I would say the Bible, except for that, is pretty much silent. Unless, and here's where it's the difference, unless those tax dollars are being used to fund anti-biblical activities, for instance, like abortion and Planned Parenthood. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I just want to give that caveat that when it comes just to the idea of income taxes and paying taxes, the Bible is silent other than say, if you owe the taxes, you should pay them. So what about climate change? Well, the Democrats would say that man is causing global climate change. And if we don't change course quickly, we will destroy the earth in a matter of a few short decades. Now that, that time frame in which we're going to destroy our earth continues to be moved out as those claims have largely been determined not to be, not to be accurate. But I, I don't want to get into so much of that. That's the platform that the Democrats would espouse. But the Republicans would say, you know, climate change has always been here. It's always changing. And very little of this is caused by man other than maybe on the local level. But from the Earth's perspective, as temperatures rise and temperatures fall, that is going to happen regardless of what man does. So what is the biblical perspective? Well, I don't think you can look up in the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about global warming? But I do think you can find scriptures that talk about uh, being a good steward of the resources the Lord's given us. But when it comes to climate change specifically, I think the Bible is silent on this as well. So here's another hot topic. How about universal health care? Well, if you're a Democratic candidate, you're going to talk about health care in the terms of a fundamental civil right. It should be universal. All should receive it. And it is just as important as the right to vote and the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But if you're a conservative or Republican candidate, you're going to look at this and say, yeah, I think we should have some sort of safety net. But at the end of the day, it is not a fundamental civil right that is outlined in our Constitution, but it is a business transaction and business transactions have to be paid for. And when you pay for something, those resources are finite. It's not a fundamental civil right. So what does the Bible say about that? Well, again, as we come to another issue in which the Bible is silent to that specific issue. But the Bible does talk about and command us to take care of the orphans and widows. There's nothing, biblically speaking, that says health care is a universal civil right. So let's jump to welfare. A Democratic candidate will tell you that we need to broaden the social safety net. It should be easy to qualify for benefits. They should last for an extended period of time. And the parameters by which someone could, should qualify should be expanded. Whereas a Republican would say a person who is able to work should work. And yes, we should provide a social safety net, but it should not be broad. It should be very limited. And it should not create dependence on the federal government or even a local government of any kind. It should be nothing more than bridging the gap between when a person is going from one job to another and they've lost employment and they just need some help to make sure that their family survives. Well, what does the Bible say about welfare? Well, again, the Bible does say we should take care of widows and orphans and the poor. So from that perspective, you could almost argue that the Democrats have this right, that we should take care. But I would say the Republicans are not arguing that we don't. What the Republicans are arguing is there should be limits. And this is where I think you have to look at the biblical uh, perspective of this. The Bible does say we need to take care of those folks that are less fortunate and need help. But the Bible also says, if you don't work, you should not eat. And so when you look at that additional caveat, 
I think it's hard to argue that either side has got the monopoly on the correct answer. I think the Bible really speaks to the heart of the issue. And it's saying that as believers, we should support one another. We should encourage one another. We should provide for one another. The Bible doesn't say the government should mandate that. But I'm not going to argue whether either one is right or wrong. I'm going to say for the most part, taking care of people who are less fortunate is a biblical principle. And I see both parties wanting to do that. What I see is a huge disagreement on what the limits of those are. So now let's get into uh, what I would say are some, some more, I would say are the topics that have significant biblical value. So let's talk about abortion. The, Democrats, the Democratic candidates would say, it is a woman's right to choose. No one has the right to tell a woman what she can and cannot do with her own body, especially when it comes to choice. Because why? They are pro-choice. In fact, they often refer to Republicans and conservatives framing it through the lens of choice. So what they say is, as Republicans are not pro-life, they're anti-choice. They're anti-abortion. They like to frame it with the word anti. So let's jump in. What does a Republican, what does a Republican say? Well, they said, well, yeah, a woman has a right to choose her own health care, but not at the expense of another human being. You cannot exercise a right that directly prohibits another human being to the right and their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Abortion is murder, and life begins at conception. Conservatives and Republicans, we label ourselves as pro-life. So what does the Bible say about this? Now, we've just covered a whole host of subjects, and the Bible seemed to be either silent or did not give clarity to those particular uh, policy issues. But when it comes to abortion, I think the Bible is very clear. I'm not even sure we need to debate this. But nonetheless, I'm going to share. Clearly, Christ values life. Is this so different than the pagan religions who sacrificed their children on the altar of Molech and the Lord called it detestable practices? There, I don't see there's any way you can read the Bible and understand the Bible with an open heart and come to the conclusion that Christ supports abortion. He absolutely does not. This is a detestable practice. It absolutely is anti-biblical. And I think the, the Republicans and the conservatives certainly are on the right side of this issue. So let's go to another topic that's equally, uh, it's equally a hot, a hot button, and that's same-sex marriages. The Democratic candidate would say that the definition of human beings and how you even describe their genders is ever-evolving. At one time, human beings were labeled as male or female. Now, depending on which website you look at and how you look it up, there are over 50 to 60 different answers to what is your gender? Therefore, the same-sex marriage has really evolved into anyone can marry anyone, and in some cases marry anything, and can call themselves anything they like. But the Republicans would say, or the conservatives would say, the traditional gender descriptions apply. Male and female is the institution of marriage that is reserved for the God-given roles of man and wife, man and woman. So what does the Bible say about this? Again, incredible clarity around this issue. In Genesis, Leviticus, Judges, Kings, Romans, Corinthians, Timothy, Jude, they all speak to the detestable practices of sexual perversion and homosexuality. The biblical perspective on this is quite clear. And I know that is not a common, that is not a, that, that is not a uh, comfortable position to take in the culture that we're in. And I am certainly not saying, and I would never say, that we should not treat folks who have chosen that lifestyle 
with the same uh, constitutional rights of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. But I will tell you, the Bible is very clear on this. So those are just some of those issues that I've lined out. And I'm just going to recap really quickly that tax policy, climate change, universal health care, even welfare, for the most part, the Bible is it's either silent or doesn't appear to give the kind of direction and clarity that would say one party's platform is more important or is more right than another. But when it comes to abortion and same-sex marriages, the Bible is crystal clear. Crystal clear. The Bible and Christ is for life. He is for the traditional institution of marriage. And the Lord has called us to value the things that he values. So let's use Trump as an example, and I want to use Trump for a, for a specific reason. There have been few, if any, political figures in my lifetime that have been more polarizing. I heard so often, if you're truly a Christian, Chris, how can you vote for such an immoral person? But for me, the response was so easy. I say, because I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for the platform that he supports. You can see in the Bible that even Nebuchadnezzar, the Lord used to accomplish his purposes, even though Nebuchadnezzar was an evil emperor. So let's be clear. If you're truly a Bible-believing evangelical Christian, I ask you how you could vote for a platform that truly embodies what we see in Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is going to sound really harsh. Actually, it probably is. But these are difficult times. If you vote for a party or a platform that embodies what the Bible calls abhorrent, what the Bible calls sin, what the Bible calls detestable, then you're a hypocrite. A hypocrite of the worst kind. Worse, if you're choosing a party because you believe in the lie of class warfare and that you want to see your pocketbook increase, that's even a new kind of depravity. For a moment, let's forget that the lies of income redistribution won't deliver on their empty promises. Let's just boil it down to what you are really saying. What you're saying is, yes, I understand the Bible is silent on taxes and other non-biblical policies, but it is clear on abortion, life, and marriage. Yet, I think that my wallet is more important than what the Lord has commanded me to do. May it not be so. Please, please, I beg of you, do not be a hypocrite in these matters. Stand with me today and take the hypocrite oath. That's right, not the Hippocratic oath, the hypocrite oath. The oath that says you will not be a hypocrite and that you will vote for the party and platform that supports the most important issues in God's eyes, not your eyes. Please don't forget, remember your faith determines your values and your values should determine your vote. Let your voice be heard at the polls as you support what is important to Christ. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, Phenomenal Christianity. Go to Amazon to purchase your book today or visit the YouTube channel, Phenomenal Christianity. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.